Welcome back to the Burning Phoenix podcast. Hope you're having a great morning and a great day. We're going to talk today about, we have our first interview with Tommaso Todesca. He's an Italian friend. He lives in Los Angeles. He is originally Italian and he has already made 100 episodes about Dante's Divine Comedy in English from 2020 to 22. And now he started the same project just in Italian. So we're going to talk about that and and his thoughts about making series and Dante and also how it is relevant for today. So that's going to be the main part, but we also want to talk a little bit about some new videos about McGilchrist, uh, where he is talking with um, the leader of the Party Center. His name is uh, Alex Gomez Marin. He's a Spanish neuroscientist. So they are going through the whole of this kind of masterwork from Ian McGilchrist, uh, The Matter with Things, which is then like, 1,400 pages, three books, but now they reach the third book, which is in some ways uh, the most kind of stunning, astonishing part. The three books, uh, like the, the three parts of the book, or like the whole work from McGilchrist, is first about neuroscience, just the technical part. Then it's about epistemology and about like the paths to truth, as he calls it. And the third part is the unforeseen nature of reality. And this is where you get all these stunning insights because they talk about uh, topics like the one and the many, time, flow and movement, space and matter, matter and consciousness, value, purpose, life, and the nature of the cosmos. And then the final chapter, the sense of the sacred. But what's surprising when you read this is that you might expect that now he's going to talk about like the one and the many with, with kind of a new framing of it, drawing from the brain hemispheres. But in some sense, it's more like describing how this topic is seen from the left hemisphere, the left brain, and then how it's seen from the right hemisphere. And then you see these stunning differences in how, uh, how different natures uh, the two hemispheres have. So, And also then when it comes to some of these topics, how the overall view of the right brain is just so much bigger and more informative and also... Uh, contains much more and also can relate to things like ambiguity and things that are unknown, the mystery, uh, the transcendent, what is beyond our limitations in a much different way. So kind of indirectly you get a, a repetition of the argument that the overall kind of the master in your own head in terms of the two brain hemispheres is supposed to be the right hemisphere. The left brain has many fantastic features and abilities, but on the big stuff, it's just it's not what it's shaped and designed for. So that's uh, it. It comes with a lot of problems when you get this tilt, which is again the whole argument for both the master and his emissary. The first book in on this topic in from 2009, and then the matter with things. So uh, just one, one thing that stood out from this latest video, which is then on chapter 20, which is the first chapter of the th book three is uh, about asymmetry in nature and how this seems to be something that's very deep in even like in ontology, like the, the nature of being in itself, that you have this dynamic between asymmetrical uh, parts. So and that that is then reflected in how the brain is two, in some sense, two different brains with two different natures. Uh, you could also think of this as to have the ability to build something if you just want to start with two parts and build something, 
if those parts are of the same nature, it becomes very limited what you can build from them. But if you have two parts that are of different natures, asymmetrical, then the, you open up like an unlimited amount of of combination, building new blocks and then building <laughs> just in some sense, uh, laying a foundation for like the creation in itself, perhaps. It's a bit of a stretch, but it's just like an idea at least that comes through uh, understanding that this might be something deep in terms of how the cosmos works and how being actually works. So it's like deep, deep food for thought. They are both scientists in a sense, so it, it becomes uh, more on the science side, but they also draw from more like the humanities, philosophy and other areas as well. So this is really recommended from now on. It's about every second week or so, I think, when they have new videos and then you can just follow it now for the last part. And uh, it's kind of, um, they represent the chapters uh, for people who have not read it. So you, you, you're going to get main points kind of presented there. So that's uh, all on the McGilchrist um, videos there. Uh, one tiny little bit of, uh, of new series. Uh, there's a new movie about Dante coming. It, it's in Italian. It, it came into the... Um, it was on the cinemas from September 29th. And now it's coming on DVD on January 18th. So we're looking very much forward to this. Just another 11 days. And then we can uh, watch a movie. We're going to put a link to the trailer in the description so you can just see that it looks super beautiful like very very like visually nice aesthetic production so with that we are gonna start playing the interview with Tommaso Todesca from yesterday and um, hope you enjoy you're gonna get a bit more feeling of his thoughts about this series and also we're so grateful for the work he's doing and how he's recreating the whole divine comedy again uh, and just presenting new new little uh, tidbits of interesting information and insights and it's just going to be a joy to follow and you might also remember this that uh, it's not a goal to kind of finish the divine comedy or get through the the like the whole trilogy the hundred cantos but just enjoying the journey and learning and it's something you can do over and over because there is always some new insights and as you change and as life uh, happens and you have more experience you will see new things also in the comedy and it's, it has this stimulating generative effect of reading it that just fills you with new thoughts and, uh, and new substance and insights and perhaps also then hopefully some learning and more uh, gradually a little bit more of uh, getting the wisdom as well from Dante. So with that Enjoy the conversation and see you again in the next episode. Okay, so now we're back here with a recurrent guest on the podcast. Uh, we had it on Ancient World before, and now he's here on the Burning Phoenix for the first time. So we have Tom L.A. Books, uh, and he's here to talk about his new series about Dante. So welcome, Tom. Thank you, Richard. Great, great pleasure to be here, and uh, hello, everybody. You are, by the way, the first uh, guest on the podcast, The Burning Phoenix in this episode oh, number 17 it's an honor. so that's yeah well and it's the perfect we are very happy about this because we're now going to talk about dante which is one of uh we we have going to be drawing on three main things on this podcast mostly which is dante and we're drawing on john strickland his books about uh 2000 years of of, uh, of european history and then also about McGilchrist and the brain hemispheres so uh, what we wanted to talk with you about is that you have now you did 100 episodes in english with every canto in 
with Dante. Uh, I have already started in November 2020, and it went on to July 2022. Uh, and then you had a bit of a break, and now you started with the same hundred videos concept in Italian. So maybe just you can just start <laughs> saying something about the thoughts behind this. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I'm happy to share. The, you know, it's a little bit funny, I guess, because uh, because. Uh, a big uh, to to record uh, 100 videos is a lot of work, and uh, it took a lot of work, almost two years, to complete that project. It was actually a little bit funny the fact that uh, um, I, I finished this very long project of 100 videos for Dante, which is a lot of work to put together, and it took me almost uh, two years. And then I said to myself, "Okay, there is many other great books." Why don't why don't I especially in in Italian literature where I can help a little bit with the with the original language, and so I thought okay maybe let's talk about Boccaccio or uh, Ariosto, and I started working on that. Uh, in fact, I started a whole new series about uh, Orlando Furioso by Ludovico Ariosto, mm-hmm. but very quickly. I ran into the problem, into the issue <laughs> that um, there is nothing like the Divine Comedy out there, and especially if you are somebody who is looking for meaning, so for something meaningful. Because what I care about when it comes to literature, mm-hmm. much more, I don't care much about the technical stuff. I, I care about the meaning, and uh, mm. so it, you know. It must have been funny from your perspective, Richard, when you when you noticed on YouTube that I was starting <laughs> again from the beginning, this time in Italian, which yeah. is which is also strange because if you think about uh, a YouTube channel and if you want to if you want to grow your YouTube channel, the last thing you want to do is to alienate mm. some of your audience by changing language all of a sudden. So I have to admit, yeah. I know. I love to interact with people who listen to me, you know, on the on YouTube. But I have to admit that it was more important to me to remain in the world of Dante, in the world of the Divine Comedy, than to think yeah. about to care about uh, marketing for my YouTube channel. <laughs> mm. So, well, but it shows immediately how how um, enthusiastic you were. But just when you introduced, like, now we're going to make a new a new series, and and I can relate so much because I've done this like over the last few years with some of the podcasting as well. I I, I had first a full walkthrough of the whole comedy, and then I ended up with some of the same. I just wanted to do Purgatory one more time with new eyes, with some new life experience, and and look at it and just. Because there's always some new things you can. I think a part of Dante is that it's, uh, uh, in part, it it shows you and tells you, uh, like, and it reveals like knowledge to you. But it also uh, stimulates your own creativity and kind of it stimulates an inner process that yeah. makes you discover things in your own thinking. So it's uh, it has that yeah. effect that makes it fresh and new every time. Yes, yes. Like we were chatting <clears throat> uh, earlier on, the power of uh, creating something that functions like a prism like something that you yep. change your point of view and it changes mm-hmm. its own slightly it changes its own angle its own color just like the the scriptures the divine comedy is not sacred scriptures for for the church mm-hmm. but uh, it has similar 
um, characteristics. Yeah. There's something about this hermeneutical thing as well that, like, to understand, um, like, the different cantos in the comedy, you need to, or it's, it's helpful to understand the whole of the comedy. Uh, but then in order to understand the whole of it, you need to understand all the bits. <laughs> but this also becomes this reciprocal process that the more you you know the different cantos, the more you know the whole, and then you get more light on each of those cantos, like little gems. So it's, uh, um, yeah. yeah, it's it's just, it's a marvel of <laughs> of, of, of writing. Um, so, uh, yeah, so you said you had almost two years on the first series. So I'm curious here now. So do you have one or two main insights from doing that whole first i mean i guess you have many insights and they're different nature but like a couple of things that stood out for you after doing it the first time you mean from the point of view of the divine comedy itself or the the series the youtube series um good question let's say the series that you did you made a hundred episodes and then you look back and you can think of a couple of things that was surprising or or uh, like yeah you know, huge discoveries so <clears throat> For somebody uh, like me who had just started with a new YouTube channel to produce this content and to produce these videos was um, uh, a good learning experience, I think, because you're not used to seeing yourself on video and uh, mm -hmm. it's a type of communication that it's different, you know. Um, even myself, when I look back on some of my old videos where I speak about Dante, I'm still uh, standing by the content very much, but I see how, you know, it, if I was a better communicator or somebody who, you know, is in the marketing uh, uh, industry, I think I could do a better job at uh, making it a little bit more, uh, you know, the delivery to make it more attractive, to make it more uh, uh, digestible, uh, so, a lot of room for improvement for something that, that was amateurish. Hmm. But it's still joyful. I mean, I, I followed the whole thing, and it was. Uh, it ha it has the the like this uh, enthusiast joy of it that it's just like you find somebody. It's nice to listen to, and just it's contagious. Like just. And I hope so. It's, That's it's uh, inspiring. No, I I love that you say that because uh, there's something that happens in our brain, whenever we talk about something that we genuinely, truthfully love, something happens. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think something takes over a, a different type of energy. Yeah. And so you can, you can feel it. Oh yeah. There is this thing that, uh, well, this is an idea, philosophical idea that you have to, well, if you don't love something, you can't truly understand what it is. That there's, there's an extra yeah. insight that comes through the love of, of a topic or an, yeah, of a field. So, um, yeah, and then one or two things with the comedy in itself from doing the series? Well, <clears throat> so many, so many, but yeah. uh, um, probably, probably um, I realized by understanding, going a little bit deeper in the, in the Divine Comedy and, and also in the history of Dante's biography, one thing that stood out for me is how much Dante actually uh, prayed during his days and how mm. much he valued the, the power of prayer in his life, mm. uh, which is something that maybe is not said usually when you 
tell the, the story of Dante's life or what he was, you know, his life was, of course, in the exile period, from moving from court to court. But what was he doing mm-hmm. aside from reading and writing all the time? Um, not much, I think, personally, aside from mm-hmm. praying, going to mass, praying, praying, praying. And, um, and this uh, let's say transpires, especially from from Paradiso, because uh, um, without an intense prayer life, I don't think it would it would have been possible for him to to write it. Hmm. It did strike me this time. Um, like I read through Paradiso now last one and a half months. Uh, how intense the seventh sphere? With the mystics, the contemplatives. Oh yes, like the the energy and intensity, in, and it's just I think it's just one and a half canto. It's the shortest one by far, but it's this kind of catapult into the fixed stars and kind of the upper upper layers. But but it just it really struck me how uh, how how like intensely sparkling uh, it is. Like these these monks in in the monasteries are just like burning 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 souls of spiritual energy that's um there is it, a, it just makes you think that he must have taken this from somewhere so yeah but you know <clears throat> there is something called the poetic intensity which is um which is something that whether you are an expert or not whether even even if you like poetry or not you can realize immediately from from uh, any type of poetry, that Dante is not like in the 100 cantos, there are some that are really, really intense and some that are not very intense. He actually keeps the level of intensity at 11, to quote a comedy Mm. movie, (laughs) (laughs) for, I would say, almost 99% of the time. 99% Mm. of the time. And uh, this is... uh, almost a superhuman intensity. In terms of uh, emotional intensity, this uh, explains why many people think that he had something like epilepsy or some kind of Mm -hmm. neurological disorder, because Mm -hmm. only a nervous system that is constantly hyper-powered by some type of uh, extra energy can produce that type of... And maybe it's not a coincidence that other... Um, writing geniuses like Dostoevsky uh, had the same uh, issue, like th- they had epilepsy as well. Uh, Dostoevsky mm. had suffered from epilepsy as well. I'm saying maybe, but it makes sense that if you have constantly this uh, wattage, voltage mm. running through yeah. your your brain and your nerves, it transpires in in your writing, but it's a very, very rare condition. Yeah. That is very interesting, because because you because in any case, the original voltage of the author has to be higher than whatever the reaction of the reader is, right? Because mm. there is mm. a there is a step in between. Therefore, if we readers read the Divine Comedy and are mesmerized, we are in complete poetic shock. Just imagine what he was feeling on on the original end of of the communication. Mm. 
Yeah, I I tried to calculate once like how how much time he spent writing it. So it's if it's about twelve years, the whole thing is about four years per book, and that four years is forty eight months, and the, it has thirty three or thirty four cantos. So it's a bit more than one month, one and a half months in in on average for each canto. Uh, I think that's kind of a, it's, it sounds like a. It could have been like a pleasant little uh, task for Dante as well. Like he's, now I have one, like I have five, six weeks to write this one canto and then he has, he knows what he wants to put into it and then he can work through these 140, 150 verse lines. So, um, which maybe could explain why he could be, like he could find the right mood for those energetic moments as well to to, to distill that and like that becomes you know, the the overall uh, pervasive feeling yeah. of, of yeah you now you're right because like every masterwork in um, in the world it also took an incredible amount of work so there is both the genius mm. and the dedication the dedication was uh, incredible and uh, mm. and so there there must have been days and days and days of uh, working and reworking and reworking on every single line on that i have no doubt hmm. so um so you started with a new series now so you have five episodes out plus the introduction um i instantly so what i like about it is like it's it's very um like informative it's, it's nice to watch if you already know the comedy from before because it's more like you you present more external things and and more overall reflections and you kind of you make cross references everywhere, which is super helpful and kind of illuminates things. Um, I just made a note of two things that uh, I didn't know, which was that uh, you have in the beginning that the opening this nel mezzo del cammino nostra vita, like in the midway of our, our lives, I was lost in a dark wood. That that was actually from uh, or it's, it's very there's something very similar in Isaiah thirty eight ten. Uh, which was yes. very nice to see. Uh, I mean, it's even close. The Italian biblical version is is closer than the two, like in English. If you look at the biblical and and the, the translations, so I really like yeah. that. And I like the stuff you had about the Brunetto Latini as well, with uh, that he actually wrote the an encyclopedia at the time. So Latini is then uh, w- the person that Dante says is the one who who taught him how to become eternal, uh, and then. In the sense of writing, and then you make yes, we can, call, we can call him uh, a master. He was a master of Dante. Exactly. So, but, and that he wrote an encyclopedia, which is kind of also what Dante is doing. He's also, he is putting the totality of knowledge <laughs> at his time into yeah, the it, poem. Uh, <clears throat> that really explains uh, because, especially the, this uh, encyclopedia that was called El Tesoretto by Brunetto Latini. Mm-hmm really explains the genesis of Il Convivio by Dante. Mm. But uh, Mm. something happened after he wrote four books or four chapters of Il Convivio. uh, Mm. Dante realized that he had the potential to do something even better than Il Convivio, which which was in prose. Il Convivio was uh, uh, a prose encyclopedia. And convivio means the banquet. So you you basically sit at exactly. a banquet and you feed yourself with all this uh, nice food. Um, yes, and it's a know. philosophical treatise, and it's it's very parts of it is very similar to Aristotle. 
It's, it's almost like you, you hear Aristotle's voice in there sometimes, emulated by Dante. Yes, yes. So. And uh, nobody knows how or what exactly happened, but he decided, he understood that the way to go was poetry. And through poetry, yeah. he was uh, he decided that it was the best way to uh, express the truth. In fact, for Dante, probably this was a dia diatribe that he had with St. Thomas Aquinas, because St. Thomas Aquinas, hmm. in the Summa Theologica, he wrote that uh, with poetry, that poetry basically was not a, a good way to express truth. That poetry was mm. not uh, oh. a good means for for truth, and uh, Dante disagrees with this, uh, and, he, and he also mm -hmm. tells us about it in in the comedy. This taps into a, a very big topic about the brain hemispheres again, because poetry is the language of the right brain hemisphere, and big metaphorical truths and sacred truths are. Like they 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 come from the right hemisphere, so that Dante chose this is is in a way uh, it shows that he wanted to go with his right hemisphere primarily to to have yeah. a full overview and um, write it. So I so uh, I I did have a little peek at this tesoretto, which is then the um, uh, I guess it's the, the the small treasure in sort of tesoro's treasure. Tesoretto is a yes, treasure. correct, yeah. So, uh, which is very short lines. It's kind of two lines. It kind of pairs, and then it's it, so you you could see it like as you as you said there, like it's um it's the kind of the genesis in the sense that it's uh it's it's kind of a little buds that you could see that Dante drew from. Uh, I have uh, like a, my personal theory about Convivio and why he stopped after four books is that like he's he's blending a little bit of poetry with his prose uh, laying out of his arguments. Uh, one a little thing at the side is that he writes, I think it's book two or three there, he, he writes uh, that he, instead of explaining the poetry, he becomes a little bit passive aggressive. Like he writes like, as it should be evident in what I just said, blah, blah, blah. So you can ah, kind of feel that this isn't really like, <laughs> he doesn't like this project as much. But even more for me is to see that uh, in those book two, three and four, the poetry becomes closer and closer to the Divine Comedy and and the really the full kind of matured shape of that poetry. So it's almost like seeing someone developing their own voice that you kind of hear it and then it goes closer and closer. And then the last poem in in the last, the, this book four of Convivio, for me, it was like, here it is. Here is the singer fully on stage. Like yeah. now he found it. He has, he had his calling when he was like in his late thirties, late as he says in the Vita Nuova, like he, he wanted to write this, the biggest thing ever written about Beatrice as yeah. not just as his, his childhood kind of infatuation, but, but as, as the portal to divine love and to the spiritual in the biggest sense. So he wanted yeah. to write that, but he, he needed to learn both the theology and the philosophy and to develop the craft to do it. Yes. So then kind of, he spends 20 years on this, but, but for me, that convivio at the end of that's when he's has, he's almost like, I, I get the sense that you can feel that, he felt like now I got it. I, I, I have the shape of it now. So now I can start writing. And because yeah. then he starts writing the Inferno right afterwards. Yeah. So yeah, and I'm pretty sure, like you say, it was something that happened within himself, within his brain, and his kind of right brain uh, decision. Yeah. Because Dante doesn't sound like somebody who 
took a lot of um, suggestions from other people, mm. at least uh, for, mm. for what concerns his most important projects. Um, mm. He's somebody who spent his days studying, reading, studying, reading, and writing, of course. Um, mm. So it's fascinating, this evolution, and, uh, and how grateful we should be that he yeah. got to that point because then mm. this diamond was created, right? Yeah. yeah I, it wouldn't surprise me if that was a really one of his most joyful moments in his whole life when he felt like, here it is, and he could use the terzarima, like 11 syllables times three, you get 33 syllables. It's, it's just the, the divinity, divinity, and, and like the whole thing was just... He, he, maybe it's like you know, look, people are born with different talents. So it's, it's, there might be something that his talent was special in a, in a way that it took a very long time to mature. But it's a bit yeah. like on the side with voices, like opera singers. They they need, I mean, uh, their voices are not developed until their forties. That's when yeah. they have the full, full, like all of it, like the the overall and the, all the detail in the voice needs up to that point. So. Um, and now, it just feels uh, so kind of, yeah. also having having said that, um, there is um, when it comes to comparing Inferno, Purgatorio, and Paradiso to each other, there are two ways to compare them. One is the voluntary uh, work that Dante put into the Divine Comedy, where he wanted the language to change from Inferno to Purgatorio mm -hmm. and to Paradiso, so. There is an element of, you know, planned, planned difference in the language. Mm. Well, and it's clear, nice. it's very technical, etc. But then, secondarily, there is an element of the more I, I read the Divine Comedy, the more I, f I think, I sense the poet growing. The more I think, mm. I sense Dante developing. Uh, and yeah. more than, I'm not saying only technically as a poet, because his poetry becomes more and more sublime. I mean, after you are perfect, where can you go, right? But mm. uh, I'm also saying from a, a um, control of his poetic intensity and, you know, and of his poetic emotions. It's, yeah. uh, there is an incredible um, growth and, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, parable, let's say, or whatever curve, there is an incredible curve that you can observe. Where, from your, yeah. Where do you feel that happening? If you have any examples or that you can... Uh, it of? happens It happens in Purgatorio, I believe. Yeah. yeah. I, think, <laughs> I was about the same. <laughs> yeah. I, I really believe it happens in Purgatorio because, um, yes, in part, as I said, it was his plan. He, you know, you, mm. you feel immediately in Purgatorio Canto number one that the language has completely changed. Yep. It's, uh, there are some words that he does not want to use. There mm. are some words that he did not want to use in Inferno, and he only uses in Purgatorio and Paradiso, including mm. the, more, the most sacred words like Jesus, Christ, and uh, God, etc. Mm -hmm. um, but there is something that happens... Because during the writing of Purgatorio and during the writing of Paradiso, we have all reasons to believe that he was also reading more mm. books and more poems and more classical works. Yes. And, and these this works must have influenced him even more, no? 
Yeah. Absolutely. So, there's, a, there's a feeling in the first two verse lines of Purgatory, just like for better waters now, like at, at my little my little boat of ingenuity is kind of <laughs> we're leaving that stuff behind, the cruelest seas behind. There's such a, a well, my sense is part of that is just a relief for Dante, like I've, I've finished Inferno, like it's a necessary part. Like you have to to make the argument. Like this is the Greek uh, rhetoric thing that to make the good argument you have to make the bad one first. So you well, there are yeah. many reasons why you need Inferno, but it's one of them is that you have to show what happens if you make the wrong decisions in life, <laughs> and you follow the, the 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 destructive types of morals for yourself. Like these are the consequences. So, but finally in Purgatory, like both that he's getting kind of the hang of it. There's a little bit of feeling that just from the outset that now we're just kind of swoosh ahead. Yeah. You're, you're right, Richard. And also, I would also add that uh, the more I understand the sources of his metaphors and his Im poetic images, mm -hmm. the more I realize that he wasn't, he wasn't, let's say, randomly used, you know, he, he, he didn't have, let's say, five different options for a particular metaphor, and he chose one out of the five. He actually tends to choose that one metaphor, which is the perfect one, the best one, mm -hmm. also in relation to all the Western tradition, because the image of uh, a navigation, the image of a boat on the sea, has always been, uh, yeah. from antiquity, the representation of uh, the, the spiritual journey, always. Mm. And, so, mm. the, and so the fact that he knows that in the moment when he chooses the metaphor, is part of the wow. unbelievable skills that that he has. Um, yeah, even more perfect <laughs> as a as yeah. an opening image and, and metaphor. Huh. Yeah. In, in other words, um, if an incredibly powerful AI existed today that can mm -hmm. has the power to find the best simile or metaphor in a particular poetical context, I think Dante's brain worked like that. Yeah. I think his, his would be better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even, even because... I agree. Um, this is a I whole agree. side topic with this AI. Like, uh, we'll just half a minute about that. Um, we played with this new chatbot, this uh, chat GPT thing. And yes. Like, it's stunning in the beginning. And then suddenly you see that this is just word salads. It's just endless word yeah. salads and, and, and kind of pattern stuff. And it's increasingly then contradictory and there's no opinion there. And there's also no creativity in it. It's yeah. just pattern salads. We're still, in, so, we're still in the prehistory of AI. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's a very good point. That, that actually, it, it might, there might come another generation in the future. But so far, mm. it's just like the... Um, uh, well, the sense, sense of intelligence in Dante is just way, way above the current AI. Still, I would, I would say. Yeah, um, definitely. Okay, so uh, just so I wondered about uh, just briefly the difference between the Italian and the English. Now that you're doing the Italian, what do you think? Like the English translations and the Italian, just very briefly, like a couple of points. See, yeah, very, very briefly. Um, personally, I just find it much more smooth to express myself in Italian and so I hope that you know the Italian version is a little bit smoother to listen to as well and uh, mm -hmm. in terms of uh, 
speaking about the Divine Comedy in English, about the English translation, um, all that extra work and extra effort that goes into talking about the which English translation I am referring to mm. is eliminated. So, yeah. you know, yeah, good point. Uh, I... I it's a great thing that YouTube gives me the auto translation, auto translated closed caption in English. So there's some mm -hmm. people, if, if they want, they can follow the Italian series uh, in Italian and still read the English and still understand. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I'm, so I, for me, it's a bit like I'm enjoying both, like both of your series would be great because you, uh, the the Italian has some deeper insights sometimes I, I feel like, but also sometimes the English translation, even if it's not exactly the same, it also gives more, just like just supplementary in a sense. Or and also it, it's it's um, I think the Musa version is is more than good enough for uh, like a really mm. rendering of Dante's spirit and, and the it's knowledge. A, and, yeah. yeah, it's a very very so, good one. Uh, yeah, so it's. Um, so having both—that's my point. Is just that having both is uh, is a is kind of a uh, just a, something to be grateful for, I think. Um, okay, and then the last point was uh, the relevance of Dante. So this is also a big topic, but the relevance personally and also for the culture. If you have a couple of thoughts about that, well, <laughs> you know what, Richard? I think the the briefest way to put it is that the relevance of Dante for us today, for our lives, is uh, just as important as the relevance of Christ in our life. Mm -hmm. uh, in other mm -hmm. words, uh, uh, there is nothing to Dante uh, if not Christ. What is uh, animating the Divine Comedy is uh, Christianity, the Christian tradition and uh, the message of, uh, of Jesus Christ, who was man and God. And uh, from my Catholic perspective, um, the real harmonizer, the real uh, chiave di volta, how do you say chiave di volta? But the, the key to... Yes, um, the, the real key... Uh, to not unlock the mystery of our brain, because that still remains a mystery, but the key to unlock mm. the instructions on how to best make a best use of our brain mm. is, in, uh, is in the gospel, is in, in, the, in the scripture, and mm. uh, in the fact that uh, in this idea that God came and became one of us, became a mortal mm -hmm. while still retaining his divinity and uh, and came down and made a proposal now opening our hearts or not to that proposal i feel like it makes an entire difference that is so big almost like life and death almost like eternal life or eternal death death or mm. inferno e paradiso in other words mm. of course and therefore uh, the yeah 
No, no, please go ahead. No, is it like for the cultural part as well? Like uh, from in, the, in the, the practical sense? On, yeah. the, on the cultural side, uh, this is, <clears throat> this is uh, a difficult period of time, and I'm not the only one to say that. I'm going to quote uh, Joseph Ratzinger, whom I love, love very much, and rest in peace. We just, let, we just lost him uh, uh, a few days ago. Um, he kept repeating that this is a period of uh, history that is particularly dark, um, particularly challenging, and uh, it doesn't matter if uh, it doesn't show in a, in, a, in a superficial external way how, how difficult this period is, because inside, in our souls, in every human being's soul, this darkness exists. The presence of the devil, if we want to be religious, the presence of the mm -hmm. devil is very strong in this period of history. His power is very strong. Um, we need to pray more. We need to try and be as close to God as possible in our single little individual life. And the more we do that, the more we can contrast this, these issues. Mm. It's nice to hear this. It's um, um, like the the religious aspect of Dante is very downplayed in general. Uh, almost like in the in the academic world, the scholar world is almost to nothing. It's, it's, it's kind of almost suggested by some that it, there isn't really any religious aspect to it. Uh, so yeah, so that that was that was nice to hear. Um, yeah, because uh, Dante is now, the Divine Comedy is in the hands of uh, an organization, which is, let's call it Global Academia, hmm. which um, as a whole, in general, for the majority at least, is uh, is not religious. And, um, and that's a shame, because that means that you take away, uh, you take away the heart, you strip out the heart out of the Divine Comedy. Hmm. I've seen uh, it's, it's related to this, but for me, the Garden of Eden has been very. It's been this one thing that has been hard to to capture, grab, or understand for me, uh, because I always expected that to be paradise. Like you go to the top of of uh, the, the mountain of virtue, you go up to terraces, and then you're supposed to go into this, you know, like this kind of flowery, like. Uh, just beautiful garden where you just kind of you just dwell in pleasure, but then it's just like this harsh meeting with Beatrice, and then it's kind of a breakdown for him. But then finally, I understood like a couple of weeks ago. It's one of those Hillsdale courses that is about a conversion, and then that is a rough psychological process. So it's not supposed to be joyful at the top there. But then, but but I just appreciated hearing somebody with like a personal genuine belief that could explain that this is what he means with this. Like this is what it means for someone who is really a Christian. So then, yeah. then it made more sense. Yeah. So there's also an, another level that applies to the image of the Garden of Eden, which is um, Dante is culminating his uh, um, homaging and uh, um, including inclusion 
of the classical world into the Divine Comedy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that's the culmination. So the Elysian fields, the Elysian fields mm-hmm. for the Romans were something yeah. like that, where the top of uh, the, almost the equivalent of a Christian heaven, let's say, for the pagans, yeah. pagan Romans. Yeah. And therefore, that's the culmination of where the Roman classicity can get. And beyond that level, yeah. it's going to be only Christian. And, uh, that is the, so interesting. Hmm. That is a bit the, the Aeneid, like so they like when when he goes to the underworld, uh, yeah. and and uh, in book six there he um, he he does see the Elysium. I mean there there are three parts to the underworld there <laughs> as well with from Virgil when he writes that. So uh, yes, but it stops there. That is that is very interesting. Yet another discovery. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it never ends. <laughs> we'll um, never end. Yeah, so that that was beautiful. Uh, it's um, I'm sometimes thinking about uh, also this uh, like the balancing like th- that we can learn from Dante. Like it's uh, it's uh, it's it, yeah. it can teach us how to think and and it gives us. Um, uh, I'm not going. I'm not. Uh, I don't have any intention of uh, uh, going anywhere else. Just I'm going to stay with the Divine Comedy. Keep learning. Keep mm. uh, uh, growing. You know, spiritually, yep. and uh, I, you know, it, it was going to take me a long time for this other series. But as you say, now in this second series, I'm already referring to things that I give for granted. Maybe once I get to my yeah. sixth series, I'm going to be speaking in uh, monosyllabs only, only yeah. for uh, <laughs> <laughs> only for four or five people. <laughs> but yeah. but there's a thing with you could always. Like I, I started diving. There's a bit of extra stuff at the end there, but like diving into the sphere of the sun, like the fourth sphere, because you have those 24, like the wise, wise people there. That's that's a whole institution, educational institution, right there that you can yes. spend years on reading up. Oh my god! On all those. I mean, like if you want to read, if you want to read Aquinas, then you kind of you have a few years ahead of you, anyways. You know, it's like Aquinas was said to you know like dictate like four books at the same time. He was just sitting and rambling, and then you had four different yes. people who kind of tried to keep yes. up with him. So well, it, in some sense, it means that you, you're never going to catch up with him because he's, he just <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> okay, so just uh, the last words here. Then, do you have any? Um, uh, any ideas for this series now? So we, you have ninety-five <laughs> episodes left to do. Uh, any last thoughts on the journey from the, in front of you with the Italian version? Um, not really. I uh, in in this actually yes, I have one thought because um, a Christian friend of mine he gave me a suggestion. He said to me, "Why don't you try to record your videos?" in a prayer, prayerful way. So you talk about the canto in Italian, but almost mm-hmm. as part of a prayer, so that um, you can give maybe more spiritual power to what you are saying, and you're more connected uh, to God while mm-hmm. you're actually explaining the things that you are saying. So I think it's a, a fantastic suggestion, but it, it's also difficult to do, especially in front of a camera, for me at least. Mm. Uh, so I'll see if what I can do, um, but you know, I like, what, yeah, I like the idea. Yeah, but what comes to mind is the um, uh, the the ninth and the tenth uh, 
Kanto in Purgatory, where he, when he steps into the gate to the real Purgatory, and you have the the churning, the, the like the hinges, the, the kind of the squeezing that blends yeah. with the sounds, and that that's a metaphor of entering into a church, and this kind of the organs and the choir are starting to blend into like that's for me that's the that is the hinging point where he starts becoming religious. Like yeah. when it's when it's uh, when when that dimension becomes a real real th- not a hinting but that now we're now we're now we're in blending and then yeah I guess yeah. and that's I guess that's what the seven terraces are in a, about some in some sense and then it kind of ends as you said before at the Garden of Eden um, so that is beautiful and and just a thought about this is that uh, I mean there's no like a, a journey there's also to all the listeners like a, a journey through Dante's comedy is not about finishing it <laughs> so so you can you can I mean you you can start a new every second year you can start a new series and and still we are in the we find ourselves yeah. in the dark woods almost every day right from yeah, in one exactly. to the other. Exactly. Uh, maybe maybe the level of fear is a little different but uh, mm. the the moment of crisis happens very often mm. and then to have a guide towards improvement and <laughs> just discovery and learning is uh, is again it's, it's such a huge gift that we have this have this work it's 700 years old and uh, that's a uh, it's a joy to see it being recreated in a sense in the way you're doing it as well with with your videos well so i'm, I, now I'm actually amazed by people who are not uh you know italian mother tongues like like yourself and who are mm. also able to appreciate it so uh, thanks mm. for the support very much mm, yeah well it's, uh, my pleasure and um, um yeah so we're going to put the link in the description and um just big recommendation for the new year. So we have a couple of recommendations to people listening also, like we had, uh, well, th- this idea of Beatrice's eyes could be kind of a, a thing to ponder this year, 2023. Taking some courses at Hillstead College is also huge, solid nutrition for the brain and for learning. And also to follow your work on Dante is also another, uh, something that's really a, su- a suggestion that is highly recommended. So just want to thank you so much again for doing it. Thanks. And thank you for joining us for a conversation. And Thank yeah, you, Richard. Hope to see you again here soon. Look forward to the next one. Mm, same to you. Bye-bye. Ciao.